You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. All right. Well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. Uh, we had an awesome Lake Day last weekend. We baptized five different guys and gals and had an awesome time. Let's celebrate that just for a moment. A lot of fun. So proud of the men. Uh, so many men have stepped up and gone public in their face. So proud of you. Thank you for uh, demonstrating that for your family and our church uh, family as well. As well, uh, the truck show, we had that going on last week. So there was a number of winners. Every, we emailed out the winners. First service, I forgot to mention that. I'm walking off the stage at the end of the service, and they're like, what about the truck show? And, uh, well, I thought that was funny, but uh, anyway, it was a great time. And uh, we had a bunch of winners uh, that you guys got emailed out. So thanks for participating in that last week. Uh, it was pretty, pretty cool. Um, so this morning, I am continuing on in a message. Um, it's, I want to encourage you. This is a message that's very different than my typical preaching and teaching. Uh, we've been in the Gospel of John for more than a year and a half. Um, but I'll pause every once in a while and then just hit a topic and, and try to do a good job on giving a biblical overview. So as a result of that, I'm in probably 40 different passages uh, this morning. And so all of those passages are in the app, at the North Valley app. So I'd encourage you to pull out your digital device and, and get that if you haven't already. You can check in uh, as well. Um, but the outline is there. It's on the website as well. And I want to encourage you to follow along. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get started. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are a Father. Um, you are not simply God, but you are God the Father. And today we lean into that and look at that according to your word. We pray for your blessing and favor on all families here today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Um, today, the, top, the message is embracing a biblical vision for fatherhood. It's uh, following God's example for fathers. Last week and on Father's Day, um, I said this, uh, my message prep was way too long, and I decided to do a two-part sermon for fathers. And so last week, we looked at um, the negative example, because I told the, told the dads, how many dads want to be good dads? Everybody raises their hand. And I, I said, you know, if you want to be a good dad, then you've got to know what a bad dad looks like, right? Because you can't really know good if you don't know evil. Uh, you can't really know right unless you know wrong. Amen? Does that make sense? And so we walked through 12 bad dads on Father's Day. It was so uplifting. It was so uplifting. <laughs> And we went through 12 bad dads, and the truth was is that we could all identify at some level with these kind of dysfunctional bad dads. Um, so I didn't want to leave it there, and so I said, hey, next week we're going to do a biblical uh, vision of following God's example as fathers. And so that's what we're doing today. Um, I'm going to introduce it by telling you a story. 19 years old, I was in Buena Vista, Colorado. I had just been in the... Uh, a really sweet truck that I had built out in, in my high school years. It was an old Chevy GMC. It was black, lifted, 33, 1250s. Um, my dad uh, was in the truck with me. Um, I had just come out of a year-long experience of really a radical transformation 
for Jesus Christ. My relationship with my dad had been restored. My relationship with my brothers had been restored. And uh, I had come to faith in Christ the summer before in Colorado through a Christian-based, uh, owned and operated outdoor adventure company called Noah's Ark in Buena Vista. Um, by God's grace, I applied and I got the job and I would be serving as a uh, class, three, five, uh, class three to five uh, river rafting guide, a mountaineer in the collegiate peaks, 14,000 foot peaks, and then a climbing guide. And uh, by God's grace, I had a lot of experience moving into that. And by God's grace, he transformed me. So I'm in the truck with dad. This was a very unique experience. The whole family was talking about it because dad and I had been like this for years. Well, now that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, we're together. God redeemed. He restored what the enemy had taken. And so I'm on my truck drive with my dad. We stop and we're doing fly fishing and I'm having the best time of my life at that point with my dad. I've experienced God's grace. I'm fresh. I'm excited for my, my summer at Noah's and working there. Um, and so we get, to the, we get to Noah's. I see everything. I feel completely out of place. These are spiritual leaders. I'm not a leader at this point in time. I've been a leader for bad. Now I'm supposed to be a leader for good. Um, these guys are uh, way outclass me. I mean, they are, they're the ones with the resumes that look perfect, the great families. I didn't come from that background. I was a prodigal son story. So I feel out of place, insecure. Um, they tell me to go get my hair cut. I, I missed that part. So I get my hair cut. And then my dad says, all right, take me down to Colorado Springs, drop me off. So I drop him off and say, Dad, I love you. Thank you for coming up with me. He said, you're going to do great. Put his hand on my shoulder. You're going to do great, son. You got this. I needed that. I, I get in the truck. I drive away. The airplane flies off. The sun is setting 24 west. That's my road through Colorado Springs to Buena Vista. I felt completely lonely for a moment, scared for a moment. I'm about to be every single day putting people in, um, I'm, they're going to be putting their faith and trust in me. Their lives will be in my hands. Danger is every day. People had died on the river uh, prior to me getting there. They die every summer uh, in the river. Um, people get struck by lightning on these mountains. Um, they die on the mountains. There's crosses on the mountains. This is just normal environment for the guide. I'm a little afraid. I cry out to my heavenly father. I say, God, I need help. And God didn't speak to me audibly, but as the sun was setting and I had dropped off my earthly father, I felt, uh, I felt fathered by God like I've never been fathered by God. I felt like God was my father and everything was going to be okay, while my physical father was going to be some 1,200 miles away my heavenly father was with me right there every single day. Here's my point. My point is, is that every single person in this room, whether you're a father or not, you need to be in absolute recognition and commitment that you need to be fathered by God. God is the father. There is God the father, God the son, and God the Holy Spirit. But you have a heavenly father and you can take refuge in that, find shelter in that, find comfort in that, 
and he's never missed a day of your life. This is our heavenly father. Be fathered by God. That's what we're looking at today. The truth is, for many of you fathers, you struggle with the idea of being a good father because I gave you so many bad examples of bad ones, or maybe you have a bad dad yourself, or maybe you just feel inadequate. The good news is, is that you have a heavenly father who's laid down a foundation, a pathway, a vision for what it looks like, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, Fathers, if you want to be a father, or if you are a father or grandfather, you have to be fathered by God. If you desire to embrace a biblical vision and follow God's example in fatherhood. Fatherhood is a privilege. It is a wonderful vision right now. In American culture, the entire family is being broken down through the confusion, through uh, gender confusion, through the identity crisis that's going on. The, the basic building block for our country is being assaulted and being broken down in we are in a fatherless society in so many ways where so many families are, the father has abandoned or left or checked out. And it is needed incredibly for the church uh, to foster a vision for fatherhood. So here's what we're going to look at. On the screens I have for you, um, first we're going to look at God as our father. And we're going to explore the concept of God as a heavenly father And uh, then we're going to work through seeing him as provider, protector, and pastor. And after we get through that, then we can look at what does it look like for me as a father. Those of you that are fathering children, maybe they're your biological children, maybe you're a mentor father, uh, uh, maybe you're a spiritual father. Um, This is what it would look like for you. Ladies, this would be the kind of man that you want to marry if you're single, You want to marry a man who is fathered by God all the days of his life, that he looks to God the Father as his ultimate provider, his protector, and the pastor over his life. You need to find that man who is strong in his faith, and he has a deep fellowship with his heavenly Father. And men, you want to be that guy, the guy who is fathering with the Father's heart. This is the kind of vision that you need to be the man that God's called you to be. So let's do this. Let's first explore our Heavenly Father. In the New Testament, those, we've got a lot of folks that come from Catholic backgrounds, so this is going to be easy from you. In the New Testament, in Matthew 6, it's the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Let's say it together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you. Good job, all the Catholics in the room. It's okay. It's okay. We got a lot of folks that come from Catholic backgrounds, so you're, you're welcoming good company uh, here. Um, we're going to teach the Bible, and it's all about Jesus. Um, folks, uh, so Matthew 6, 9, here's what we have is Jesus is uh, referencing God as Father. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul cries out and he says, do you not know that when you have the Holy Spirit that your heart will actually cry out, Abba, Father. It's this uh, idea that God is your Father. 
The Apostle John says, uh, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Um, in Luke chapter 15, we see the story of the prodigal son. And many of you, when you're looking through the Scriptures and you refer back to those, uh, 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 those incidences with the lost coin and the uh, lost son, uh, we think about that as something that was lost. But I, I would say, I think it highlights more than anything is the, the searching father. The prodigal son runs off and squanders all that he has, and it's the father that's being highlighted in his great love for his boy. And when his boy comes back, he embraces him. So all throughout the Scripture, there's this idea in the New Testament and the Old Testament. The Psalms uh, highlight and call him the father of the fatherless. Malachi says, have we not all but one father? Isaiah said, You're, you are our father. Um, and so this theme of fatherhood is all throughout the Scripture. And so now what I want to do is show you how is God as father, see him in these roles as provider, protector, and pastor. Let's look at the idea for, the mo for a moment, the idea of God as provider. Um, when God is your provider, that means that you wake up in the day and you say, God, I'm trusting you to provide for me the things that are going on in my life. As a believer, the apostle uh, uh, Paul said that you have every need, uh, a spiritual blessing that you need. The apostle Paul said, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Amen? So God is a God who will provide. In the Old Testament, if you recall the idea when... Um, it was Abraham who was going to make a sacrifice for Isaac, and he was going to make this sacrifice for Isaac, um, and God intervened, and he provided a ram in the thicket, and that ram served as a provision, and then Abraham names that place, sacrifices that ram, and names that place um, in a reference and calls the Lord Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord is the provider. You need to see God as your provider. Um, this will help you grow in your faith. New Testament, uh, Jesus says, uh, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Uh, he cares far more about his children than he does the rest of his creation. In, in the Old Testament, uh, in Psalms 23, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God provides. He's like a shepherd. The psalmist calls him a shepherd. And he provides, just as a shepherd would for his sheep in green pastures. God's a provider. Back in Exodus, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain and, and bring bread down from heaven and so that the people can gather their portion every day. He, God would provide manna. Or look back in 1 Kings 17, 6, or think about it. It's where Elijah is provided in a time of famine in a time of drought, God provides ravens, birds, to come deliver bread and meat in the morning and in meat in the evening. And God is supernaturally providing. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to recognize that God is your ultimate provider. He gives you what? Well, He gives you gifts and skills. Everything you've got inside that head of yours, God gave it to you. You have a unique fingerprint. You have a unique footprint. You have a unique handprint. You have a unique voice print. You have now a unique digital print. You have very unique 
parts about you. And God made that. God provided that in your life. God provides for you not only gifts and skills, He provides for you opportunities. God provides people in your life that you can lean on and look to. God provides in extraordinary ways when you don't know what's happening, God can provide. God provides us with salvation. God provides us with hope. God provides us with direction. God provides us with His Word. He provides us with His Holy Spirit. He provides us with the church family to rely on and and lean on. God is a provider. He's not only a provider, but He's a protector. He's a protector. Let's look at this. Uh, God is a provider, and He's a protector. He will protect you. Um, Throughout the Scripture, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul would say, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Apostle Paul saw the Lord as His ultimate protection. Um, In 1 John, the Apostle John said, God protects me and the evil one cannot touch me. In Thessalonians, uh, the Lord, the scripture says, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, behold, and know this, and I am with you always to the end of the age. He's always with you. Um, But he also said, in Matthew 10, 16, he said, I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Why would he say that? He can say that because he's the lion that's padding by our side. When God will send you out into a world that's messed up, when God will send you out into a darkness or the unknown or the uncertainty or the challenges that we face in our culture, God sends Christians out to be influencers, to be the light in the darkness. How can we have such a confidence as this is because God is with you. Uh, He is with you, beside you. He is your protector. In the Old Testament, Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and our strength. He's the ever-present help in trouble. Isaiah said that, uh, that we, should, we could rise up like on wings of eagles, that we would be strengthened and be able to finish this race that God has set out before us. Um, God is a protector. Uh, there was a movie uh, some years ago, Avengers, the end game. How many of you guys have seen that before? Uh, there's a scene in it uh, where the uh, force field becomes the kind of the predominant feature during this battle. And this battle takes place, it's a climactic battle that the Avengers uh, headquarters or surviving heroes face off against the, the, the forces of the villain Thanos And at one point, Thanos overwhelms the Avenger army, and it looks like all hope is lost. And then all of a sudden, Doctor Strange shows up, and he starts opening up all these these multiple portals. And out of these portals come more Avengers. And they start waging the war, and still there's trouble. And then the Sorcerer Wong creates this mystical force field, and it protects the heroes. And the force field acts as this defensive barrier that's preventing Thanos' army from advancing and giving the Avengers their, and, their, and their allies their chance to regroup and fight. And it becomes this crucial turning point 
in that battle. I think the Christian life is a battle. We've, we've thought of it perhaps as life is like a playground. I think probably the best way to raise up strong kids as fathers is you teach your kid life is like a battleground. I mean, that is more clearly the biblical metaphor when the Apostle Paul says, put on the whole armor of God, and the devil is prowling around seeking to kill, uh, uh, steal, and destroy and devour you. I mean, absolutely, life is we have it to the abundance, but there is a true fight, a spiritual darkness. And what's that threat in our country today is the breakdown of the family. And if the father can lose focus, if the father doesn't grasp a biblical vision, then the breakdown of the family is inevitable. And what you have as a Christian man or a Christian woman is you have this force field that is set around you. This is what the Apostle Paul said, the Lord will rescue me. The Lord's going to be my force field. Every deed that's brought against me, it'll be undone. The Apostle John said, God protects. The evil one cannot touch me. The evil one, there's a force field in a sense. My point in saying this is that God is the protector. He's also pastor. He's the one who pastors you. Uh, you look to Him for guidance, for strength. You look to Him as your pastor every day. You think, God is the ultimate pastor in my life. You may say, well, the word pastor is really not in the Bible. No, but the word shepherd is. And where we get the word pastor is from the idea of a shepherd. Um, shepherds are to oversee, care for, provide, uh, uh, nurture, protect, correct. Um, and so Psalms 23, the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, these shepherds would be tough. Um, I went to Israel this uh, uh, last April, and I walked through the Valley of Elah. It's where David defeated Goliath, picked up a few stones, and kept them uh, for our elders to be a reminder of the protection and the responsibility that they have in protecting the church. And the role of a shepherd is a protector. Dads, you're a protector. God, our Father, is a protector. The Lord is my shepherd. That's what the psalmist says. Psalms 81 says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. God is the shepherd. He gives direction. He gives correction. He gives provision. In the New Testament, help me out, Jesus said, I am the good what? Let's try that again. I am the good. Yeah, Jesus said that. He is identifying. Absolutely, he is a good shepherd. And then what's, a, what's really cool later um, through the epistles, uh, Hebrews 13, 20, Jesus is referred to not as the good shepherd, but they refer to Jesus, the author does, as the great shepherd. And later, the apostle Peter, one of Jesus' most beloved and one, one that loved Jesus tremendously, he calls Jesus the chief shepherd. So it goes from Jesus, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, to the chief shepherd. Um, God is a shepherd. God is a pastor. Um, he's to pastor you. Uh, so what does that mean for you and me? What does it mean for fathers? 
So I want to transition now and help you to understand that your role as a father. So we looked at God as father, but now I want you to see father as provider, protector, and pastor. You have to understand that you are limiting your fatherhood if you do not connect with God the Father. Your primary uh, influence for your fatherhood should not be your earthly father. Rather, it should be your heavenly father. If you had a good dad, praise God for that. Um, You have a great chance that you're going to be a good dad yourself. If you had a bad dad, good news, you have a great, you have a wonderful heavenly father who can help guide you and lead you. So fathers as providers. Um, fathers as providers. Uh, throughout the New Testament, there's exhortations about providing. In 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, um, and, and especially for the members of his household, uh, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What the verse highlights is it highlights the incredible importance to provide for, in particular, immediate relatives and members of the household. It underscores the importance of providing and caring for the physical needs of the family. This means every dad should take it a chief responsibility to do what he can to provide for his family. Ephesians says that uh, we're to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord to bring them up to me as I thought about that this week. I think there's a special role that fathers have to raising their kids to know and love Jesus Christ. And what that could look like is this, is that you're bringing them up in an environment where they're going to get a good education that will affirm and strengthen Christian vision and values. And what dads can often do, because we've been blessed for many years where a lot of the public school systems where you weren't worried about any kind of woke ideologies or anything that was antithetical to uh, the scriptures. Um, Now more than ever, uh, dads need to be very engaged. Um, We've had the blessing and privilege. We've put both of our kids through public school system um, from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade, but things shifted in the last five years. Amen? If you haven't seen that, you're not paying attention. Um, There is a radical shift. So what does it look like for a father to provide? Provide a good education. Does that mean every kid needs to be in a Christian school? No, but every kid needs a Christian education. Amen? Every kid needs a Christian education. Where does he get that? Well, he can get it from church, but he could get it from home. And dads, guess what? The most important thing you could do for your kid is actually just model what it looks like to be a Christian. Just be an example. To bring them up, there's a provision there. Fathers are providers. They got to provide an education and an upbringing. My kids, uh, through the 12 years, um, there would be many days I would bring them home and I would kind of unpack what they learned. And if it was off course or whatever, I would just help kind of reconstruct that. And um, there's an essential role in fatherhood and being that provider. I think the Apostle Paul leans towards that educational aspect in Ephesians 6, 4, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Uh, 
In the Old Testament, um, there's a, a call for provision, not just with the kids, but grandkids. Proverbs 13.22 talks about provision for an inheritance, a financial I- inheritance. Um, it says, a, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Um, there needs to be, a, a, as a father, you need to be building such a legacy that generations after you are blessed. Um, I think about biblical examples like Noah, the famous guy who built the ark. He saved his family. He was depicted as a righteous man. He walked with God. Um, Despite all the ridicule, all the response of the people around him, he tells his family, get in this boat. Genesis 9, 6, get in this boat. Catastrophic events about to happen. He protects and he directs his family. And he provides for his family. I think of uh, Job who appears uh, through the scripture in Job 1-2. He's a wealthy man. Uh, He's been blessed tremendously. He loses everything. He loses his children, loses his business, loses everything. And yet he remains faithful and he provides a clear testimony of what it looks like to suffer in hardship. I think of Elkanah, the father of Samuel, a prominent prophet and judge in Israel. Elkanah and his wife Hannah faced the challenge of infertility, but Elkanah faithfully provided and and continued to make offerings to the Lord, and God blessed that, and Hannah ended up conceiving a child. Um, As a provider, you need to provide. What does that look like, practically speaking, for you men? It means that you need to seek a great employment. It means that you need to do whatever you can to get a good job. It means that there'll be times that you're not going to get paid to what you're worth, but that's okay. You just got to do the best that you can with what you've got and the time that you've got. So many times men will step out and say, well, I'm not being paid enough, so I'm not going to take that job. There's no shame in working at uh, Lowe's for a season or grocery store or whatever it was whatever it is. There was a season in my life when I had three or four jobs. I was trying to make ends meet. One of the toughest jobs I had, well, I was working at the church. I worked for my dad doing groundskeeping, and then I had my own landscaping company. And in Arkansas, it rains a lot, and there's there's a lot of trees, so there's a lot of leaves. And what people like to do in Arkansas is get a lot of pets. And uh, they knew the yard guy was coming, and the leaves had to be picked up so they would never pick up after their dogs. So Pastor Ryan would show up in the wet, soggy backyards, and he'd be picking up leaves while I had two children at home, a wife at home, and I was working probably 80, 90 hours for a season of time. You just do what you got to do. Amen? You got to do what you got to do, no matter what it takes. Um, So gain a good employment. Secondly, a father should seek to set a budget. You provide by your family, by protecting your family, and giving clarity and definition. If you're not a budget maker, meet a budget maker. If you're not good at handling your money, get your wife involved in doing that. Get somebody else involved. Thirdly, the father should set an example for stewardship. Model what it looks like to give, to save, and to spend. Teach them that. Your influence is the most powerful thing. I teach my kids to tithe, and I want my kids to tithe even in college because I want them to trust God 
I want them to learn how to save so they can learn how to do that in life. And part of me as a provider, when I provide for my kids, I'm providing for their needs, but I'm providing and I'm showing them how they can provide for themselves. Because the ultimate goal in parenting is not that we create a bunch of dependents, but people that are independent of their parents and dependent on God. Amen? Let me say that again. The ultimate goal in parenting is not that we create people that are dependent on us, but independent of their parents and dependent on God. Amen? So you want healthy contributors to society. As a provider, you lead them, you guide them in that. I think fathers as well um, are called to that idea of that education, giving them that education, providing the opportunities. Uh, It's a good idea for a father um, to model uh, what it looks like to plan for retirement, to prepare for catastrophic events. All of that is under the fatherhood of God. It's all of that is a vision for saying, I want to be a good provider. Um, This morning, as I was getting in my truck, I walked out of Hot Bagels, and there's a girl on the side of the street. She's got her bulldog on a leash, and she's begging. And because because God has blessed me, I can buy my bagel and buy one more and drive by with a bottle of water and a bagel and say, have a great day. My best moments... My best parts of my day are always in giving. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to what? Yeah. Yesterday I had a guy show up for my windshield and he's replacing my windshield. I tore up my truck out in the back country and the guy looks at my hats, my straw hats, and he's missing teeth and he says to me, man, those are some nice hats, man. It's hot out here. <laughs> he was kind of baiting me and I said, you know what? I said, I get these hats down in Mexico. I'm going to give you a hat today. And he says, you're kidding me. I can't believe it. you're giving me a hat. Give the guy a hat, made it the best day. I told my wife later that night, I said, the best part of my day was just giving that guy a hat. Men, I don't do it perfect. Most people I pass by, I miss so many different needs. I miss so many opportunities to lead by example. But when I get it right, I'm grateful for it. Um, you've got to provide and guide your kids and be that provider. Uh, Not only that, but God calls you to be a protector. Um, You're a protector. In life, there's a lot to be protected from. Um, Right now, there's a lot of different uh, dangers for kids. There's online dangers. There's bullying. There's abuse and neglect. There's substance abuse. There's mental health issues. There's gender confusion. Um, As a protector, what you're doing is you're protecting the mind of your child, you're protecting the heart of your child, and you're you're guarding them. The psalmist, I love what the psalmist says about kids. The psalmist says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, a fruit of the womb, a reward. They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. What does that mean? To me, I take that as men. Those of you that are fathers, you're like warriors. And what do you have as a warrior? You should have arrows. And what should you do with those arrows? You're to guard your arrows so nobody else can steal them. You're not only to guard them, but you're to take them and guide them. And kids are like that. They need to be guarded. Men, you're called to guard your kids, but you're also called to guide your kids. Your greatest impact will be through your 
children. Your greatest downfall, perhaps, would be through your children. Live a life of a legacy. There is a calling for the Father um, to be that protector, to be that protector, to guide and guard and protect the kids. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.13 says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, and act like men. Be strong. That means you're to be, be strong. So you might ask, well, how do I gain in my strength? Men gain strength from Father God. When I spend time with my dad or my grandfather and I'm in their presence, I feel as strong as I'm ever, I ever am. If they're good dads, some will make you feel weak. Um, men gather strength from God. Men gather strength from other men. Men are to provide strength to women and to children. That's the way God's designed it. Men have this sacred calling and invitation to enter into fatherhood through marriage and through building a godly legacy. You're to be a protector. You're to be strong. You're to protect your kids from bullies at school. You're to protect your kids from crazy ideologies. You're to protect your kids from negative influences. You're to protect them. That's your job, is to be a protector. In the Old Testament, it's all throughout the Old Testament as well. Like I mentioned, that imagery, I think, of a of psalmist is that he's a protector, uh, protecting and guarding his kids and launching them into the world and guiding them to make a difference. Um, there's examples that I'll just share with you, a couple of biblical examples of protecting the family. I think of Moses when his parents, in the face of Pharaoh's decree to kill all the Hebrew babies, the parents of Moses took a great risk to protect their son. They hid him for three months, and they eventually placed him in a basket in the Nile River, and they entrusted him to God's care, and Moses' life was preserved, protected, and he played an incredible significant role to the deliverance of the Israelites from slavery. I think of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, who was warned in a dream what would happen in Bethlehem, that all the babies under two years old would be killed. And Joseph, out of obedience to the angel in the dream, takes baby Jesus, takes his wife Mary, runs off to Egypt, and escapes and is pr protecting his family. When I go camping with my family, and if we hear something loud or that sounds like a, a threat, it'd either be a bear or something in, in the bushes or a mountain lion, I don't nudge my wife and say, get out there and see what it is. I don't say to my son, son, man up and go out there. I don't say to my daughter, you got this. I go out there. When something happens in the house, I'm not sending my kids to deal with it. When something happens in the house, I'm not sending my wife out to deal with it. I better deal with it. Protector. Um, last is pastor. Um, pastor is an incredible privilege. Um, it's very interesting in the New Testament 
There's a couple of passages, the Ephesians 6-4 passage, and the other one was in Colossians, and they say very close to the same thing. Um, they both give a negative command before they give a positive, but I'll, I'll read to you the Ephesians passage. Fathers, do not, Ephesians 6-4, fathers, don't, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, I want to spend just a few minutes on the idea of what does it mean to provoke, because we're called to pastor, not provoke. And dads, if you're not careful, you're going to be provoking your kids all the time and not pastoring them, and they won't want you to pastor them if all you do is provoke them. But two different times in the New Testament when it comes to parenting, especially with fathers, the apostle Paul is saying, stop provoking, stop provoking. So what does that mean? I think a provoking of a kid uh, would be it's just a harsh, would be harsh tone. Pick that up. Or a very uh, strong presence that might be too, too scary for the kid and the age. It could be uh, inconsistent discipline, excessive punishment. It could be way too harsh. Um, provoking a kid could also just be ignoring them, just lack of communication. Fathers, your, your kids need you engaged. Um, lack of communication can be a way that you provoke kids, failing to, to meet with them and talk with them and have conversations with them. Another way would be is perhaps it's just unrealistic expectations. Your standards are so high as a parent that the kid can never meet it, and so they always feel discouraged. And the Apostle Paul says that, like, don't provoke them, at least they become discouraged. Like, there's a responsibility for the father. You're not to discourage, you're to encourage, to build them up, bring them up. There's a number of ways that you can provoke, and you'll have to evaluate in your own life on how to do that. But pastoring... Um, is something that is consistent, I would say, in the Old Testament and the New Testament on, on what to do. When the Apostle Paul in the positive on the Ephesians passage, when he says that you're to bring them up, that means that you're to, you're to help bring them up in a, in a whole lifestyle and a whole vision for what it looks like uh, to live as a young man or a young lady. And you're to be that example for them as a good father to the best of your ability. And the best way that you can do that, men, is by literally just leading by example. That's your greatest influence, is your example that you set, how you treat your spouse, how you treat employees, how you treat the people around you, to bring them up, um, get them to church. I have heard a story of a father in our church, and he sets aside time to read devotionals with his kids. That's awesome. I hope that you guys do that. But if you're not doing that, at least get them to church. And at least uh, start modeling for yourself the importance of uh, gathering and growing in your faith. The Old Testament, you know this passage perhaps, but Joshua stands up as a courageous father. And he draws a line one day and he says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then why don't you choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve? But as for me and my household, we well, will serve the what? The Lord. Uh, the kids in the crowd, mom's in the background, that's dad. He's drawing a line. Joshua says, for me and my household, this is what we're going to do. If you were to pick off any of my kids and say, what are your family values? They'd tell you, like that. 
If I'm wrong, then I'll buy you lunch. You can test me on that. And the reason why is because I believe that values are so important because they guide and, and, give, and provide direction for your kids. They provide direction. The clearer you are about your values, the easier it is for you to have a clarity on your vision. The clearer you are in your vision, the easier it is to make decisions. Um, Joshua says, for me and my household, this is what we're going to do. Um, Moses said this to the fathers of early Israel. He says, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, these commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. You're to impress them on your children. You need to talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lay down and when you get up. The imagery here is like everywhere you go, dads, at home, when you're at home with your kids, take some time. Tell them at least a testimony of how God's been good to you. You don't have to teach them the whole Bible. Just talk about God's faithfulness in your life. Talk to them about how they, God has helped your marriage. Talk to them about how God has helped your business. Talk to them about what you're excited about in your faith. Your influence, the scripture says in Deuteronomy, talk about them when you sit at home, when you're on the road, and when you lay down, and when you get up. In closing, I just want to encourage you um, that you've got a role to play. You've got a role to play as a dad. You're, you're the greatest influence um, for your son to be a father and what that looks like. Um, every single one of us need to realize that we are to be fathered by God. And that happens um, as we yield ourselves to Him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. I do pray um, for, just in the response time now, um, that we would just openly confess with our hearts and our minds that we need to be fathered by You. You're the greatest provider. You're the greatest protector. And You are the greatest pastor over our lives. Uh, we look to You and we will learn from You all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.